0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: The first thing I say to to, to everyone listening is I don't think there is one way. And I think if anyone tells you this is the way, then
0: maybe like look at them slightly cautiously because there's no one single way. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today I've got Anthony Payne here on the King stage, my brother from the UK. How are you doing? Straight from the UK. Thanks for having That's me. Right. Absolutely. We were just talking off air that it's afternoon your time, fresh morning, my time. But you're saying that you actually prefer a fresh early morning wake up. But I'm catching yeah. you on the I'm catching you on the decline, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just refuel with caffeine. So I'm so I'm all good. But yeah, I'm ai am am a 530 riser and you
0: get I'd say 60% of the productivity done before midday. There you go. I'd probably say the same. I try to stack just as much as I can until I can't anymore. And so I don't know if that's an efficiency expert thing or if that's just a, I'm so dumb, I just pack it so full. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that, but we appreciate you being here. Tell us what kind of business that you have.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks to anyone who's uh, giving this a listen. So my main business is called Stashby. Bee. We've been doing business since about 2017, and we're an online marketplace, and we essentially allow people to to rent storage and parking space from each other. So it's a it's a it's a platform similar to Airbnb, which I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of. Here in in Europe, we've got Booking.com, but we deal in in storage and parking space basically
0: yeah that's great and for the simplicity of it is <clears throat> i can uh, take my spare space and and rent it out peer to peer like you had mentioned and so you've made some pivots in that and i'm sure working through 17 to now even through covid i'm sure that that's been an interesting journey so i'm sure we'll get into some to some to some really great stories here today i want to ask you before we get too far into the to the depths of it why are you doing this? i I, you, know, <laughs> like this is an idea. It's a pretty big idea. I'm sure there's lots of people in this space that are fighting for attention, and here you are, but yet you've been successful, and yet you're still doing it. So what's what's the driving factor for you?
1: <laughs> what's funny is when when I hear that question, I hear, "Why do you do this to yourself?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, look, I totally relate to that. In fact, I've had my wife multiple times. I come out of the office or I'm working on a project and you could get that, that sense of like, oh, like just grit. You got to really figure out a problem. And she says, all of this is self-induced, right? Thanks. And you go, yeah, yeah, I do. (laughs) Uh That's right. So why do you do this to yourself?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think for me, uh... It's entrepreneurship first, the idea second, and it's always been that way, and, and it will probably continue to be. But Stashby as a concept is something that has kind of grown and and captivated me more with each with each year. So I always knew I always knew I wanted to build something, and what I was looking for for a long time is essentially a an industry or a use case that where there was pain. I think I was naturally drawn to to solving pain rather than giving pleasure if if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, two different um, problems. right and and I'd always been in in a I guess problem solving jobs. So so I was looking for one of those and secondly I was looking for something that had like big demographic trends driving it. So if you look at self storage in the US, you guys have about 17 times more of it than we do. Wow. And we're doubling every five years. So right. this this kind of trend of smaller living spaces, right. increased rent, the dollar or the pound will take you less far. The fact that we're able to accumulate more material stuff, but we've got less place to put it. Mm-hmm. And once I started digging into that, I was like, wow, this this, this is something that's going to grow. And then all these kind of ideas swirling around. I had other concepts too that were less good and yeah
0: you can't can't have a good one without a without a bad one right next to it to make the good one look good
1: (laughs) right it's like a one in ten but even this like like all good ideas most people will tell you that it sucks as an idea because they can't see how it can be done neither can you in fairness to begin with but no the 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 tipping point for me starting Stashby was was personal experience so up until that point it was an intellectual exercise and then I went through one of the unexpected life changes. We talk a lot about unexpected life change being the driver for the for, for the customer. So I went through a separation of a relationship that I'd been in for nine years. Wow. And overnight, I don't have a place to live, but I do have a lot of things. Right. So it's like me, my couch and the sidewalk. Uh, <laughs> so not good. you go to, right. So, and, and we now know that, pretty much all, all usage of this thing is life events. Like someone dies, your, your business is growing too fast. Your business suddenly shrinks. It's a breakup. you got a leak. Like there's a pipe that breaks or something. So yeah. So it was, it was personal experience and I ended up leaving my, my stuff with my neighbor. And that, that was the light bulb moment. I thought,
0: wait, I left my stuff with my neighbor. Could we, could we do that as a business? Yeah, how do we monetize this? So there's <clears throat> there's some people that I have come across that are legacy minded and motivating and, or motivated and and you might still be, but then there's people who are industry disruptors and then there's like industry creators. And so hmm. that's that's you my friend. Like here here you are literally inventing something out of nothing. I know that it, there's some similarities in other spaces, but I mean we're talking to an inventor, right? And so this is something that you've you've out of your own experience, thought, well, this is something that we can turn into and monetize, which is which is really cool because now you have a conviction, right, about why it exists. Would you say that's true, or does that does that ring through the story as you as you guys continue to market?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, as Brits, we we tend towards the self deprecating, so I, I don't think I've ever quite elevated myself to inventor, but I'll take it from now on. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm going to use that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I think I think that's the case. What's What's been super interesting for us, I mean, we can talk about how uh, our original assumptions f- for how we were helping and how this thing would be valuable were completely wrong. They were They were directionally right, but a lot of the nuance was wrong. Sure. But the the interesting thing about market creation is most of the people who use our service are not the people that would have otherwise used the the existing incumbents, right? So we used to think, right, well, there's someone would go to a self-storage unit and we're going right. to give them a cheaper alternative that happens to be someone's garage or, right. or let's say garage for simplicity or garage. And it's <laughs> half the price and it's more local. Uh, and actually what, what turned out to be the case is a lot of people who need that kind of space they don't really use self-storage like they they have a pickup truck they have a small handyman diy bricks and mortar business maybe they're carpenters these are people who need to like really use the space and so it's been interesting for us to see like different kinds of people getting getting use from us so yeah i i guess i agree with you There's, there's a degree of market creation
0: yeah yeah, which is really cool with what you just said. I mean, obviously this all stems from the question of like why, and then we're talking about fulfillment for you and and that type of a thing. But even inside of this, some of these subsets of people that are using it, we can dive more into it a little bit later, but for you to be able to say that there are people using my service that probably didn't have a solution before, right? And so then you start to wonder like, well, what were they doing? Mm. And- I don't know, You're right. and and maybe you got research on that, but I, that's the market creation, the inventor piece that I think is just really cool because, you know, what what did we do before iPhone? Mm-hmm. What did we do before a lot of the situations that we we think of the normal now? Because it's just a, a better, faster, stronger way to do certain things, and we just either didn't have an option or it was a it was a myriad of different things that we put together that we strung together, and so so for all of all intents and purposes, back to the original question here, that's fulfilling to you to do all this, or is it like? Do you, do you have a bigger vision yet still that you're on the way to, what does that look like for you?
1: Mm, Great question. So by the way, I think people were doing the exact same thing. They were renting space from each other, but they just didn't have any of the the insurance or the ease of using a website and that kind of stuff. So we took something they were already doing. We made it a bit better. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely fulfilling for me because it's real people with real problems and you're making life a little easier. But I think there's there's like a, a meta fulfillment that, that goes above that. And I kind of alluded to earlier, which is it's kind of, kind of three things that the job lets me do. So I love building stuff. And that's like taking stuff apart and putting it back together, right? So for me, it's yeah. systems, processes, code, user journeys. But, you know, when I was a kid, it was like building things. Yeah. I get to lead, which is an amazing privilege to figure out how the hell to do that every day because it because it changes and it forces you to learn and forces humility and all this kind of stuff and there's 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 something around translation like how do you so on one extreme end you have like code and on the other end you have someone who just needs a garage or on one end you have an ad and on the other end, you have a system. And so for me, when you combine those three things, the the building, the leading, and the translating, honestly, it could be any business idea. It just happens that this one's been a pretty good one that's kept me busy for the last sort of six years. But uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Spoken spoken like a real entrepreneur, I feel like, because I've had several people over the years. My first actual business was a franchise and where we cut up fruit and make it look like flowers, dip it in chocolate, all kinds of fun stuff. Nice. And-, uh, and- and i don't even like fruit. <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean there's a couple yeah. couple of kinds i like but but to me it was just a widget, right? like i mean i do like to give gifts and so i'm in the gift industry. i still own a couple of those and so okay, that makes sense, but like it was me building, leading, translating that service over to the need just like you just said. and then i've been able to do that in several industries since then, which i think is a really cool part. It doesn't mean that you have to be able to go to that level to be a successful entrepreneur, because I think that you can be like in a little niche, and, and maybe it's your trade or your skill set that you really, really like, and you like doing that particular thing. I don't think there's anything pro- or anything wrong with that at all. I just think that there's there's a different breed of us, like maybe you and I, <laughs> that just see it as a widget, and and then let's just play the game. Let's have fun. Let's play the game, mm. and then maybe when this game ends, we'll come over here and play this game. Would you yeah. agree with that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, if you'd asked me a few years ago, I don't think I would have had the 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 self-awareness or the kind of the vocabulary to agree with you. Sure. But yeah, that's, that's definitely how I identify now. And if I cast my mind back to earlier in the journey when I was kind of looking around saying to my peers at the time, people who weren't entrepreneurs, like, hey, I'm going to go do this. And and one of the common objections, and by the way, there's endless objections from anyone who's not you, right? If you if you want to go find them, you can find more objections. 100%. Uh, and okay. one of the most common ones was, yeah, but how can you be passionate about X? Whatever X is in in, right. in this situation, it was self-storage and ultimately parking. And and at the time I used to find that really caught me off guard, like, oh God, I de- what if I'm not passionate? Oh crap. That's <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to run out of steam in six months when I realize that I'm just bored of square right. footage. Yeah. And uh, it's not really, yeah. like you say, for, for, for a certain type of entrepreneur that you, you, you don't necessarily need that, that kind of like vertical passion. It's more of a horizontal passion that cuts yeah. across anything.
0: Yeah. Well, the passion is to your, to your point, it's the, it's those three things. Right. I, I love those three things because that's the game sometimes on a daily, weekly monthly yearly or even individual business we win or we lose and that doesn't mean that the game stops it just means that maybe we have to play another game tomorrow or play another business game if we exit or or one one doesn't work and so I just think it's a it's a it's a different perspective of what the game actually is and for us it's just a matter of putting pieces together it's the it's the architect of culture whether it's our actual environment or our actual business all of those things kind of roll into into themselves I want to hear a little bit about the journey though so you started in 17. Um, you kind of gave us a little bit about how it kind of came to you as an idea, but tell us just a little bit of the story over the last six years. Can you give us the, the 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 running highlights, if you will.
1: Sure. Yeah. The the condensed roller coaster. That's uh, right. That's right. Every, every every entrepreneur says that. It's so true. <laughs> it's a cliche because it's true. Uh, right. So yeah, we actually. In fairness, we started in, in 16, second half of 16, my, myself, and my co-founder, David, we we met on this entrepreneurship course, which is essentially a bunch of busy people working full-time jobs in the city going, I really want to do my own thing. Someone yeah. please push me, push me over <laughs> the edge. And then we kind of, we, we found each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we did because he had a similar concept to me and we doing our little pitches and uh-huh. yeah, like six weeks later we had quit our job and we were working out of my bedroom. Um, wow. We were just, we were just like so primed for it. Right. We, we both, we were sort of both seven, eight years into our careers as, as management consultants. And we were just, it was time. So we started working together and it was very, that first phase was very DIY. We, we had a personal runway like money to, to live for sort of 12, 18 months but we didn't really have cash to, to start hiring people. Right. We didn't have an investor network, anything like that. So, and neither of us are, are developers. So we just use kind of off-the-shelf stuff, drag-and-drop tools. There's there's so much tooling out there, and right. I dipped I dipped dip back into it again recently, and and it's like you can do anything you can dream of essentially without without writing code. And yeah, so we built the first version of this thing. It was like landing pages with spreadsheets so yeah. it looked like you were matching with someone but it was just like us with phones and post-its being like hey do you want storage yeah i've got some storage uh, right yeah <laughs> painful the first crm was like post-its on the wall just like moving stuff down the funnel and then if the wind came the post-its would like fall off the wall
0: yeah like,
1: oh. yeah where's that booking going yeah. and then then kind of you know, we stuck at that for a while and we got some press and and we couldn't capture most of what came through the door and and that was that was enough kind of momentum for us to to raise some money. Yeah. And we used the money to hire our initial team and 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 turn that kind of Frankenstein thing into a platform that could actually do some of the stuff we we said it would do. And that was like 17, 18. And then 18, 19 was us figuring out how to grow it, figuring out how to, because we've got demand and supply side. And right. we eventually learned that it's a supply constrained business. It's harder to get hold of the right space and the right mm-hmm. people who behave in the right way than it is to get the people who want to buy it. Interesting. Um, and then and then we went into COVID and it was at least here in the UK, we were we were very strict with our lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, We had almost two years of super interrupted business and life in general. And this thing that we facilitate, which is people physically going to see things and do things in person. I was super disrupted. But more importantly, and we, we can dive into this a bit more, the way we'd set up our acquisition channels were not resilient to what happened during COVID. So it, it became five, 10 times more expensive to get customers. Wow! So super bumpy through that whole time. We had two, three rounds of layoffs. Uh, in fact, we had a layoff round and then we hired some more and then we had to lay off again. So it's very sort of up and down, trying to figure out how to get the the, the growth curve to to start working again. And then, and then coming into 2022, we have this amazing platform. Everything's super automated. And we would just getting to the point where we needed to raise more money and what the market's been like in 22. So we couldn't. So after kind of like, after all that, we sort of, was starting to show growth and then we, we ran out of cash. So then we had another big moment where we essentially said, Hey, we, we're going to, we're going to abandon any kind of external funding. We're going to really cut costs and we're going to become a profitable business. And we hit, gross, gross profitability towards the back end of last year. And we're we're on our way to net. So, wow. Thank you. Yeah, And obviously I've I've skipped over a bunch of stuff there, but yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That gives you a sense of the ups and the downs.
0: Yeah. I just think, I mean, for the listener, I mean, there's so, so many things there and even if they're driving in their vehicle right now, listening or, or working out or whatever, I mean, my point is, even if they're not taking notes, listening to that, especially from a, from an inception of absolutely nothing to, to raising money, hiring a team, as you said, which was probably a, a, a pretty big deal, especially if you raise money and then you put a, a team together. That, that probably wasn't just a few people uh, that are off the street. That was probably a pretty professional crew. And and then to run into one of the, probably the biggest disruption that you'll ever experience and and then figure out how to navigate that while in the midst of all these other very high risk things that you had just uh, stepped into is not only encouraging, but it's like, wow, congrats. And then and then for you to dial it down and to become profitable. So my, my, my kind of like my follow-up question and all that for, for someone who's listening right now, who is in that same place, maybe they've had growth, maybe they're trying to grow. Is profitability important throughout all of that? Or is there like a certain tipping point that you kind of have to recognize and go, okay, enough is enough. Now we got to dial in the numbers. Like, what does that look like for maybe the listener?
1: Hmm. Good question. Well, I can I can tell you that my my views on this have changed through the journey. Okay. So I'll I kind of answer the where I spent most of my time in Stashby with my mindset on this, and then and then where it is today. So for for. Most of the time I was they they talk about good times to create soft men, that that whole quote. Right. Uh, so I just caught the tail end of the 08 crash at the very beginning of my career. So I hadn't really I wasn't plugged in to, to the market as such. Right. Yep. So I never really understood how markets and market sentiment impacts. Investment, which impacts how money flows into organizations, which impacts ultimately how much cash someone like me can raise and what valuation, what that means. So, for most of the journey, I had an assumption reinforced by obviously you you surround yourself with people that reinforce the the thing that you want to hear almost. And it was as follows uh, We're a marketplace business, they cost lots of money to get off the ground every other big one that you know has ever been successful lost money hand over fist for many years and because the growth was so exciting investors kept plowing cash in and one day there'll be a big payoff that is that is the way so the first thing i say to 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 everyone listening is i don't think there is one way and i think if anyone tells you this is the way then maybe like look at them slightly cautiously because there's no one single way
0: yeah that's 100% Um, true
1: yeah. And and then I think I think what the last sort of two years have taught me is that um markets are sentiment driven. And if you have built your business in a way which is dependent on markets, then effectively you've built your business in a way which is that relies on other people's emotions. That's which right. is when you put it like that, is is sort of pretty pretty risky. And I get yeah, it, some scary. businesses <laughs> It's a little scary, right? But you know, well, the, the the big success stories that raise billions of dollars and go to the moon, like yes, right. that is one route. But I think for most entrepreneurs, it, statistically, that's not the route that's going to happen. It's it's you're much more likely to succeed if from from day one you're checking how much money in and how much money out, and you take calculated risk, and right. you have profitability in your in your mind's eye from right. from the beginning. So that's It's a bit of a long-winded answer, but for me, there's like two very distinct narratives.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think that you're, I mean, not only are you right, I agree with you, but I think that the listener, you know, whether they've tried to raise money or whether they're bootstrapping as maybe we would call it, I think that both can work is the point. And inside of those are different strategies. I loved what you said about there's not one way. And I actually, I, I guess, I've never really said this out loud as far as like the way that you communicated that, but I absolutely agree with that. And I would even say inside of our mastermind group, the way that I lead facilitation or bring discussion around certain things, it's not that myself or any other one person has the answer, but that the collective, right? So like when you when you bring an issue or when you bring a, uh, hey, here's where we're looking to go or maybe a new plan or something like that in front of King's you're going to get a lot of different opinions and mm-hmm. and some of the the ability that you have or need as a business owner or as a king as using our language is to be able to disseminate and go okay well i like that i don't like that why do i like that why do i not like that maybe that's what i needed to hear i don't really like it but i need to do it mm-hmm. or what's the what's the variation that i'm hearing here or is there a collective agreement and and then maybe i do i agree with it do i not agree with it how do i apply that like There's so many peer-to-peer nuances that can go into a discussion when you have an open mind and when you have the ability to either listen and take advice or be able to say, you know what? That's not for me. And either one Mm -hmm. is okay because at the end of the day, we're going to do what we want to do anyway, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that is exactly all all those things
1: you mentioned to me that they're dualities that can exist at the same time. So you can be both receptive to ideas and decisive and stand on your own two feet at the same time. It's not like, it's not like you pick one track or the other. Um, The other one I I talk about a lot, right? At least I think about a lot is this idea of divergent and convergent thinking, right? Divergent. is like you come to me and we'll, I'm like throwing ideas out. And it, I suppose if you were to approach me with a, with a convergent mindset, which like, I need the one answer and I need it by 2 PM, then I'm going to annoy the crap out of you by like throwing ideas at you and vice versa. But right. I think, I think the nuance there is that you, you can be both at the same time, e- even in yeah. the same sentence, you can be both convergent and divergent. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why doing groups like the one you just mentioned can be so powerful if, if everyone approaches it in the right way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I even think to, like to use your point there, I, again, I haven't maybe necessarily thought about this in the way that you just said it, but there's probably even different times seasons of the business or even different problems inside of the business where you're going to use one or maybe even both of these ways of thinking because there is there is a there are problems and I can say okay I've had I have a I have a problem with my marketing funnel I'm not getting clicks well it could be a couple of different things but for the most part it's going to be like this or that like it's not going to be this super conceptual and try this and try that and try this and try that. Although there can be ideas inside of the creative, the problem is the creative or whatever the the actual problem is. And so I think that even recognizing that is like, okay, is this a solution or sorry, a problem that I need a divergent or a convergent into or or a way of thinking to be able to get Mm. the solution? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I would,
1: I would totally agree with that. And, And sometimes what you can do is even just taking your example is you can, it's almost like if this is the problem I'm holding up my left hand if anyone can't see you can attack it from one side with the divergent thinking and and, and almost like in the second half of the meeting let's say if you're doing a group meeting right you can right. you can almost set an alarm and say right for the next 25 minutes we're going to throw everything at the wall we're going to be divergent and then the alarm goes off and it's right okay guys we've done our we've done our diverging we've got all our ideas out it's spaghetti is Literally and metaphorically on the wall. Now, now we're going to be convergent. We're going to talk about execution. We're going to talk about constraints. We're going to talk about deadlines. And that, that for me, I found is like even, even if someone is stuck in their own minds, I find if you just sit with yourself in a notepad for five minutes and you split it half, half, divergent, convergent, yeah, you can, you can break through a lot of stuff just by, just by making sure you flip your brain between those two.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, huge. I hope the listeners is paying attention because we're talking about some pretty, Pretty impactful stuff here. Stuff that you and I will use for decades and decades in business. Stuff that won't go away. That's for sure. Inside of this, we've heard we've heard some decisions that you've made. Or maybe some good decisions around like t- transitioning towards profitability. What would you say was a bad decision in in the last six years?
1: Yeah, obviously the the the, the philosophical Zen one is they're all good because you learn from them. But there's there's yeah. definitely bad ones. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would say. Probably the most impactful one in terms of the negative impact that it subsequently had sure. was the decision to put our entire sort of growth ethos and strategy. And I use both those words, another duality interchangeably, right? Cause one's kind of philosophical, the other one's more practical, but it was yeah. both a way of thinking and how we executed on paid media. And it was Arguably through lack of knowing a different way. We didn't, we we knew more about paying for ads on Google and Facebook than we did about long-term search engine optimization or figuring out ways to build up an organic following. Right. And I would say there was a degree of impatience. Mm-hmm. So like if I take $100 or even $1,000 And I go onto Google ad console and I put in some words, I can press a button and I can have a customer tomorrow. It's like instant dopamine hit. It's addictive, like dopamine, right? What's not as satisfactory is to go, okay, hang on a second. Let's think about posting a blog every day with specific
0: keywords and we won't be able to see the results for six months. And even if you do get them, you don't know exactly that it came from that blog post. (laughs) Exactly. So I think So I think
1: the, the the most impactful negative decision, because yeah. really that's what caused a lot of pain later on when we were shaken by macro events, yeah. was that we were 80, 90% reliant on spending
0: on platforms like Google and Facebook. The quick hit. What should the ratio be if the listener is going, well, geez, maybe I'm pretty heavy on lead generation or paying for leads or
1: again, I don't think there's a one size fits all and there's different, different phases for different businesses. But what I, what I would say is don't just assume that because you can pay to get a customer through one of these platforms, it's, it's necessarily the right thing for you. I, I think in terms of sort of trajectory or direction. And so for me, if your business is predominantly paid media I would strongly encourage you to think about how do I trend this towards relying on it less. So different businesses, different speeds. Great mindset though. Fossil fuel versus renewable, right? It's like yeah, you want to you you want to get off one and onto the other one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but the one makes you go faster right now. So it's difficult to see how you can transition or why you would want to transition conceptually it makes sense but you're like i don't know i kind of like going this fast mm.
1: yeah and I, what i what i would say just to make it more concrete is just to give people a sense our the, the the cost of getting a client through our paid channels when when covid hit it it went up by five times so yeah. it went from just about costing in to us losing like 80 cents on the dollar for every customer yeah. And because really. we were loss making, it was like disastrous. So these things can, can happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that we're all planning for another COVID or that type of macro event. However, the reality of it is, is that things can happen immediately. And what you're referring to is the difference between lead generation and branding, basically. And, and you, if you just lead generate only, you really don't have much of a brand. Uh, you think you do maybe, <laughs> but if, if people aren't finding you organically to your point or naturally just how they go about their thing online, whether it be through SEO or, or keywords or, or a podcast, whatever it just people need mm. to be able to find you and, and know what you stand for without necessarily seeing an ad. And of course there's power behind paid, paid media for sure. I think that all businesses yeah, in order to get to a certain point have to have it, but there's lots of different mm-hmm. options in that. Thank you for the for the description there. I want to be able to give you a a chance to answer some of our our speed round questions too because we've we've gotten so deep on some of the other things I think for the listeners gotten they've gotten kind of a 2x value here on on this show but in in the speed round I want to go over what I call KPIs. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if you can only track one thing inside of this space business that you have what would it be
1: i'm going to go and this is because there are so many i'm going to go with something maybe a little left field which is the number of actions that you committed to within a certain time frame that you completed mm. so very very simple example is i've decided that over the course of the next 4 weeks what let's use an organic growth thing right one blog post will be posted every single day so that's that's 20 over the next four weeks. The only KPI that matters is did it get done every day? So it's a it's 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 a one or a zero, right? Super binary. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? I think we're all everyone listening, anyone who starts a business, it, super smart. We're we're able to consume, understand, and analyze so many different forms of data. Yeah. It becomes data, it can become data soup. And what can sometimes happen is it takes you away from just doing stuff. Right. And so if it was one, it would just be like, okay, what was your hit rate over the last four weeks? 100% done, 70% done, 20% done. Right. So that'd, that'd be mine.
0: Yeah. I love, I love from the perspective of someone who already mentioned how they took a business that was basically about to implode all the way back down the hill to, to profitability and how this was still your answer, which is long game. That's what I heard from you. Play the long game. Play the long game. Play the long game. Today, yes, we need money. We have to be a good business. We have to be a good steward. That's one of our core values is a royal steward. We have to get, take good care of what we have. We have to be profitable. Fine, I get it. But man, play the long game. Are we are we doing this to 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 just have something, a hobby this year? Or are, we, are we building a brand? Are we building a business, a sustainable thing, that's uh, going to be around for a while or maybe even into generations or maybe a, a maybe an exit, whatever the plan is. And so it's like the long game can look slow and scary is what I just Ooh. heard you say. But you just it's binary and you just do it right. Like just yeah. do another show, Chaz. Just do another show. I know nobody right. knows what Gathering the Kings is. You just started the mastermind group. This was obviously over a year ago, but you just started the mastermind group and you've got eight, nine, ten, seven figure, eight figure members. And now you're going to start a podcast. Nobody knows what you're doing, what, what, the, what the what the deal is. Why are you doing this? You're not, oh, you're not going to go for sponsorships. You're not going to get paid on the podcast. You just want to help people. Why would you do that? Right? 250 episodes later, we were, we're in, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 different countries being listened to, thousands and thousands of downloads. And I get to interview cool people like you. Like, I had no idea. You just just do another show just do another show. Did I do my shows this week? Did I, did I have a good time with my people? Did we follow up? Did we create value? Did we, did we send them something? Did we, did we like just keep doing
1: it? Yeah. It's uh, it's, yeah. I mean, the, it sounds so simple, but the the wisdom of it is is taken years to kind of come back and hit me in the face again. But when someone says, well, how do I get thousands of listeners? How do I get to all these countries? And right. wow. How the, the rollout plan is going to be super complex. And the answer was just, well, just make 250 episodes, just do one every few days, just, and then another, and then, and you know, that lots of them are going to suck and like some of them are going to go wrong and you're going to record one. And then afterwards in
0: the edit, you're going to realize that half the sound was missing. Yep. But you just keep making them right (laughs) in there (laughs) a hundred percent. So if if the listener is paying close attention to both of us, it's put your head down, not so far down to where you can't make adjustments and pivots, but put it down, do the right things that matter for the long game. Of course, there's going to be some some, some, some bumps in the road that we got to take care of on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, but put your head down for the long game. I think even as young entrepreneurs, that's even more important because we're super impatient, like you talked about earlier. And it's like, look, what am I really trying to do here? Am I trying to just get rich or am I really trying to build a business, right? Builders don't get rich. Yeah, that's inevitable, right? We're, we're building a big old thing, a big old kingdom, right? What book would you recommend Anthony for a business owner trying to grow?
1: I'm going to stick with the theme and people can read this in like under an hour. Uh, It's called do the work by Stephen Pressfield. Love it. Big font, very direct. It's like having someone slap you in the face and say, why the hell are you still talking about this and not doing it? Why are you Uh, still reading this book? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Close the chapter, get to it. (laughs) Just get to it. Yeah. And it, what I, what I like about the book is it, is it makes you realize that you're not the only one who has these self defeating voices. Yeah. It personifies resistance. It says it has a name. It's a thing it's working against you. This procrastination actively. thing is is actively. So you have to actively meet it and know so. you don't ever kill it. Like it's a, it's like a lifelong adversary. And yeah, I like that book so much that I, that I gave everyone in my team a copy and uh I think they 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 all rolled their eyes to begin with, but then I, I catch them quoting from it. So yeah, That's it's right. a good read.
0: That's right. First off, we'll put the show notes. We'll put the link to the book in the show notes. I hope the listener grabs it. But what you just said there at the end is that even through a book, you've created tribal language, right? Inside of your tribe, you've given them mindset through a book that you didn't even write, but now it's become cultural language inside of your group, which I think is just... I don't want the listener to miss that. You just said it so like swiftly and quietly in there. Um, But that's how you build not only a business, but the team or the culture inside of it is that you, you create a, a, a camaraderie around belief around the same actions and even the same language. And so the fact that his team is quoting this book is a big deal, not movies, but from a book. Wow. It's incredible super inspiring. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I would say that I would say that it can also be a distraction depending on who yeah. you're spending time with. So that that's very good. I have this I have this framework for thinking about relationships which Perhaps can sound a little bit cold and calculating, but I but I I hold to it, which is every single relationship is transactional on some level, even your your closest friend. There is something that they get from you and something that you get from them. That's and right. obviously in the, in the in the business world, it's it's more so, or more overtly so. And I think all I would say is be. I've I've tried to be deliberate about when I'm seeking out advice and connection. to be really clear about what it is I'm looking for and why because the because on the receiving end of it the thing that can feel draining is people who they haven't actually taken the time to think about what the question even is or do a google search or just cover the basics and then whoever it is that you want to reach out to, to, to network or to create some, some kind of, you know, relationship, I think just being deliberate and clear. And you you can't, you can't really go wrong. Yeah. That'd be my, my, my biggest point. And I say that by the way, having been guilty of doing the same myself, reaching out to oh, people, yeah. being like, I just, I just want to pick your brain. And then they're like, why? And you're like, just cause <laughs> yeah. it's, it's
0: super annoying. So <laughs> yeah. Be yeah, you're right. I mean, there's intentionality is what I'm hearing you say, knowing mm-hmm. what you need. And and the need can even be you have a desire to give, right? Like because you have a desire to give, we're on a show today. I have a desire to give. So in our desires to give, we're talking about the cool things that we've been able to do and fumble on so that someone else can be able to get a good benefit. And so it doesn't always have to be self-serving to your point. It just needs to be intentional. And I think that out of the intentionality becomes... Not only is it fulfilling for the person doing it, but then, but what you're saying is like, now you're actually serving the other person also. It's not just annoying to them. Yeah. I like to say it like this, that every relationship has a cost. Hmm. Some just don't give a return. Yeah. And it's like, Ooh, you're right. You said it's transactional.
1: Yeah. Does my best exactly. friend
0: really like cost me money? Well, depending upon what, what type of return. Yeah. It could be. It could Certainly be. Certainly time. <laughs> From some, some, a lot of really great things because he or she is super negative. Or maybe it's the complete opposite. Maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're pouring into you. I don't know. But they all cost for sure. Mm. Time, money, effort, resource, energy units, the whole deal. Right? Yeah, big time. I got one last question here for you, Anthony. Shoot. If you could whisper in the younger Anthony's ear, what would you say? I would probably say keep listening to the inner voice.
1: The one that says this job isn't quite right. Maybe I should go do something else or it's advice I'm getting. It's not sitting well with me. I should, I should critique it or even the inner voice that says this whole thing that everyone does where they get up and go to the office every day and they have a paycheck. That doesn't, that's that's not quite working for me either that that for the questioning voice what i would say to him is keep listening to it keep feeding it it's not a bad thing and i and i i'm sure lots of people can relate to this but from a very young age it was like why have you got to be so intense why have you got to take so many risks why have you got to question everything jesus can you just slow down calm down anthony right calm down and what i would say to
0: younger me is
1: don't yeah, I, think um, that's it.
0: I, I, I not only relate, but I feel that deep in my soul, man. Um, and I think, <clears throat> I think almost everybody listening to a degree feels that way because otherwise they wouldn't be listening to a show like this. They wouldn't be right. 45 minutes into a recording, listening to to crazy guys like you and me talk about <laughs> how our, our, our roller coaster has, has been at moments at times where I, you know, maybe peep my pants a little bit, but other times where I was on top of the mountain and sometimes uh, in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> the up and down is uh, is real. You've been incredible. You've you've been authentic, and uh, your story has I'm sure inspired many here today. And so, thank you for giving that to us. How can the listener find you? Of course, if they're in the UK and they need to they need they need space or they need parking, how can they find you? Number one, but then number two, for all the entrepreneurs out there, how can um, how can they come not pick your brain, but be intentional with a question, maybe? <laughs>
1: Yeah, big time. So yeah, if you are in the UK and you need storage or parking, it's stashb.com s-t-a-s-h-b-e-e.com. And if it's more a get in touch with me or talk about entrepreneurship or anything like that, then I have a, another website, which is called founderjumpstart.com, jumpstart. And that's where I talk about all of this stuff to do with mindset, early stage barriers. I tell a lot of stories. I do a lot of cartoons to tell the stories. So, and I do a newsletter every week where I talk about a lot of this stuff that we've talked about today. So if you want to sign up to that, then I found a Yeah.
0: And, and he was super humble with that, but this is actually something that he's pouring into. He's providing a, a, a uh, space here for entrepreneurs to be able to kind of press in especially in the earlier stages or even if they haven't jumped into entrepreneurship yet. And so if that's you possibly don't skip over how how humble Anthony was there but but definitely check out that website. We'll put it in the links for you as well but uh, he's he's creating space for entrepreneurs just like this podcast. Out of out of sheer grit and will. I mean this is what we do. It's king mindset to be able to take what we've got and give it to somebody else and so don't be silly. Take him up on it. Anthony, you've been incredible. Thank you for being here. Blessings on your family and your your team and everywhere that Stashby is going. You've been incredible. Thank you for being here. Likewise, Chaz, and to everyone listening as well. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1000 Kings. Talk soon.